Anybody ever lost their mask? I was over there and I was like, hey, I think it's in this pocket. No, it's in this pocket. I'm like, where is that thing? Anyway, I found it. So let's pray. Lord, we're grateful uh, for Scripture. We're grateful that we don't have to guess what you're like, that you give us a very clear picture. So we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would show us what you're like. Show us the Father. Show us the Son this morning. Bring Scripture alive as we dive in. Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning. Great to see everybody. Have you been one of those watching the news? I tend to watch the news a little bit at night just to kind of see what's going on in the world. But man, the last five days has been riveting, isn't it? It has been difficult. It's also been very exciting all at the same time, whatever it's been, right? Now, for you, perhaps, what we found out yesterday was really great. It was a great moment for you in your life. And I think that's awesome. But, you know, it's going to change, right? It's going to change. So, We also know for those over here, yesterday's news was really difficult, and we know that as well, and it's going to change as well. It's difficult when the team we want or the side we want loses, but it's great when they win. It's this incredible great moment, right? Well, if there's anything the pandemic has taught us is that life is way more than about winning and losing, isn't it? There's some really deep, really important questions that we have been wrestling with, that I know you have been wrestling with about life. Questions like this. Am I safe? That's why I'm over there next to Quig. I'm around him all the time, but I'm still figuring out where my mask is, right? Are we safe? Are you safe? Are we safe? Can I see my family over the holidays? Some of you have amazing family traditions, and are you going to be able to do that? Not easy question. Will I lose my job? Millions of Americans have lost their job. Millions and millions of people around the world have lost their job. What if I get the virus? I'm doing a count in my head. I know about 15 people have gotten it, and one was right on the verge of death. If my uh, uh, stepdad gets it, I know he'll die. He's got cancer. Those are difficult questions. Will I be able to stay close to my friends even though I have to keep them six feet apart? Those are the bigger questions that we're asking. Those are the things that we're wrestling with. So here's a couple of questions this morning that I want you to chew on. Has the decision of the election really answered for you the fundamental questions of identity and life? Is what you heard yesterday going to be able to answer the bigger questions of your life? Here's the next question. When this finally goes away, is it really going to solve what's going on in your soul? When this goes away, is something in my heart and mind going to be at ease or maybe not at all? Those are the questions we're asking. The last seven weeks we've been looking at the kingdom of God, saying that Jesus, when he came, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, literally, in my flesh, I am bringing the rule and reign of God to this broken planet. And we see it in his teachings, many, many teachings, some of them totally upside down. He said, you want to be great? Then become like a child. He said, you want to be first and get behind me and be last. You want to gain your life, then lose your life in me. If Jesus is the king and he's bringing God's kingdom, then the question we have to ask ourselves are really basic. 
What are we to do? Who are we? We can spend our whole life and never answer that question. It's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of dark days, a lot of roads we go down. And at the end of it, we're going to say, I never answered that question. Who are you? This morning, we're going to look at two scriptures. If you got your Bible, open to John 15. That's going to be the first one we're going to look at. Two scriptures this morning asking this question in the kingdom of God. As Jesus brings the kingdom of God, who am I? What am I to do? And the first one we see is John 15. It's up on the screen. And we looked at John 15 a couple months ago in the I Am statements. And Jesus has been this incredible teaching. He's been healing people, touching people nobody else would touch. And then Jesus begins these I Am statements. And this one is John 15. And it's really a statement about identity. What king am I? What king are we under? What political party are we in? What Football conference are we in? No, no, no. Whose are you? Who are you in? What's your identity? And so he begins. You can follow on the screen or wherever. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So he begins with this image saying, look, I am the true vine. There are a lot of other vines out there. He said, but I am the true vine. You're going to see a picture up there of the FedEx hub. And in the FedEx hub, if you've ever been to the FedEx hub, you probably haven't unless you work for FedEx. Uh, FedEx uh, realized a number of years ago that somehow, I don't know how, that if most of their packages go through the hub in Memphis, they will save money and then they get dispersed everywhere else around the United States and places in the world. Now, if you're sending a package from Egypt to Israel, and I hope it doesn't go through Memphis, Tennessee, although it may, but most packages somehow, wherever they are, they go through the hub and then they go out. So this is a great picture of organized chaos. Wouldn't that be fun to try to figure that out? Hey, can you find that brown box for me, right? Um, they say that 1.5 million packages go there every night. And that was five years ago, the stats. I couldn't find newer stats. 140 planes deliver packages there every single night. They're saying it needs to come in here first and then it needs to go out. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the true vine. Everything else on the end of the branch, if you want life, you have to go through me first and then get dispersed out. That's why Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, I'm the water, you'll never be thirsty again. So when he says, I'm the true vine, he's saying there's lots of other vines out there that you're plugged into that you're trying to get life from, but I am the true vine. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Now listen, great thing. You can see in the passage there's two words that go over and over and over. And we had them highlighted, but they didn't show up so well, so we unhighlighted them. The two words are in me. So listen for them. Verse 4. Abide in me. As I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruits by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me. And I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Over and over, Jesus drawing the image, accentuating the fact that we are called to be, created to be in him. Now, that first century, they would have understood that their real allegiance was to be in Rome. Meaning Rome was their protectors, even though they could kill them at any minute. It wasn't very safe. But they knew, hey, somehow in the Roman world, we are kind of in Rome and we're protected in Rome. So to say that we're in something else is pretty dangerous. And then Jesus goes on to say, hey, if you never want to be thirsty again, come to me. You will never be thirsty again spiritually if you drink from me. They're like, okay, Jesus, we understand that. Maybe. Then Jesus says, hey, drink all the, uh, eat all the bread you want, but if you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. Okay, Jesus, I I think we understand that a little bit. Then he uses this one, right? Heard this one. I'm the good shepherd. Follow me. You'll never be lost. You'll find incredible family and home. I'll guide you and protect you. Okay, Jesus, that, I understand that. But here he's talking about the core identity of being a person. The translation is literally, have your whole life, your whole identity in me. Rest in me. Be in me. Abide in me. Watch this video. So I'm often asked, why did you get involved with crime? I say it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't see the careers lady at school and say, of course, you can do an armed robbery. It was just there. It was all around us. And it all started with weed and drinking, cannabis, the usual stuff. Um, We used to steal badges off expensive cars and swap them like trading cards. And it just progressed to the entire car. And I got involved with the people who were really pulling all the strings. So we went up to this guy's house who owed them a few hundred pounds. It It was nothing to them. But the problem was he'd been going around telling everybody that he wasn't going to pay it. So they had to set an example. So they got this guy. He was in his garden. His little lad was there. So he got out of the car, grabbed this bloke, put him in the car, sat between us. And he drove up to uh, what's called Niner's Quarry and uh, pulled a petrol strimmer out of the boot of the car, gave it to me and said, do his feet. So strimmed his feet and just lacerated his feet and this was my initiation so that just moved on and on and on cut a long story short Leeds Crown Court courtroom number three he handed me down seven and a half years and I just thought to myself that's it gloves are off if I'm going to be bad I'm going to be the best kind of bad I can possibly be because I got moved from prison to prison to prison and put on category eight maximum security because of my behavior and there's this lad coming round another inmate he comes up to me and he says uh, do you want to go on an alpha course I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, look, get out of my face, sunshine, before I slap you. I thought no more of it. And next day, and this kid's coming around with his clipboard again. So I'm just waiting for this kid to get within slapping range. And he must have sensed something wasn't right because he blurted something out really quickly. He went, you get Wednesday afternoon at a bang up and you get free coffee and you get free biscuits. <gasps> All right, I'll see you on Wednesday. And we just started giving her a hard time, a really hard time. The thing that stopped me, it wasn't what they said because I wasn't really listening but it was how they did it. They came back at me with love 
and compassion every single time. So I sat there on my bunk and I said the first real prayer I'd ever said in my life. I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. But the gist of it was, God, I need you to take away the anger, the violence, the hate. I need you to take away the addictions, which I've tried to fight and I just lose every time. If you do that for me, I will live the rest of my life for you. But the next morning, I woke up as I always had done. Rolled over to grab the smoke as I always had done, but I couldn't touch it. Everything about it, the look, the thought, the smell, everything made me want to be sick. And I knew what I had to do, so I went and got my little stash and I put it straight out of the cell window. And as soon as they'd gone, I started to feel a bit better. I started to calm down a little bit, but I was still freaking out. So I just said to myself, Daryl, calm down, go get a wash, go get a shave. And as I started to get a wash, I looked in the mirror and just stopped dead. Because I didn't recognise my own reflection. I was like, that guy's smiling. Not just smiling, that guy's beaming. And I noticed I didn't just look different, I felt different. Everything had gone. It was as if someone had unscrewed the top of my head and just poured freezing cold water in and everything had been just washed out clean. So the chaplain comes onto the wing and I just told him absolutely everything. And he said, the man that went to bed last night is not the same man that's standing here this morning. You're a new creation. And that was it. I said, no more. No more fighting, no more drugs, no more nothing. If you owe me anything, forget it. If you're holding anything of mine, keep it. I don't want it, I'm done, I'm finished. Jesus has saved me. And then when it came time for my release, I knew I was gonna go into full-time ministry. Reverend Mark Finch, JP, a magistrate, and he said, would you consider coming to Runcorn near Liverpool? We've got a new church plant, we're just getting going. There's a big problem with young people and gangs and drugs, would you come? I knew it was the right place to go. So he picked me up from the gates on the morning of my release. He took me to his house, not her house, his home. And his eldest is his daughter, Rebecca, who is now my wife and the mother to my two amazing children, Benjamin and Lydia Grace. My life just couldn't look more different than what it is now. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the invitation from Jesus. Abiding in Jesus, the passage says, connected to God, pruned to grow, bearing fruit, cared for by the vine dresser, God the Father. Here's the thing is the circumstance hadn't changed for that guy. So whether our circumstance changed in the next week or two weeks or eight months or nine months or next four years, you can know peace now. You can know real life now. Jesus says, abide in me. So turn over to the next passage. The next one is Ephesians 1. Flip over to Ephesians 1. As you flip over there, be reminded of Paul. Paul was a um, great religious uh, Pharisee. Uh, he was uh, rounding up Christians to kill him, and he was uh, deeply touched, really blown off his, of his horse here, to have an encounter with Jesus. And for Paul, he continues this image of the image of God breaking in. And he's speaking of identity in Ephesians. And you see it over and over and over. What's interesting for Paul is he could have said, be religious, be moral, be smart, be this, be that, be involved in this. And instead, as he lays out this letter to the Ephesians, he uses the same word in him, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, 
in the Lord. Paul uses it 160 times in his letters. That's a lot of times. So let's read it. We're not going to read the whole thing, but you can see it. Watch it as I read it. You can look on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he adopted us, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. And it rolls on and on and on. You can see it over and over. In him, verse 10, in Jesus, to unite all things in heaven and on earth. And 11, in Jesus we obtain an inheritance according to God's will. 13, in Jesus we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's the imagery of leaving the old whatever we're plugged into, whatever we're finding our identity in, whatever king we're following, and being deeply connected to Jesus. For Paul, it's this, being personally united to the living King, Jesus Christ. For a lot of us, me included, I somehow think Christianity is about having a peaceful life or a little bit easier going life or at least a life that looks good on the outside. And Paul said, that's not what it's about. It's about being united with Jesus Christ in a deep, personal way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Listen to Colossians 3. If, in, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The good news is God's kingdom is breaking in. And we can know the Savior no matter the circumstances. So has the pandemic left you isolated? In pain, in sadness? It has for many of us. I got to see my mom and my stepdad a couple weeks ago and I hadn't seen them in a long time. I talked with a, a, a member of a church, of our church, a few days ago. She came to drop something by. I said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, okay. And so I said, well, you know, I kind of knew it wasn't like, okay. So she said, okay. And I said, well, how's school going? And she said, oh, I wasn't able to go back to school. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. And she said, I'm immunocompromised. And she said, and the doctor said, there's no way you can go back. I thought, she's not coming back, at least here to church for a long time. So whether the masks disappear or not, you can know peace. You can. You can know life because it's in Jesus. Or how about the election? Maybe it was that great day yesterday. Maybe it was a really low day yesterday. It's going to change in four years anyway. It's going to change in eight years anyway. The hope of our nation is in Jesus Christ. That's the hope of our nation that's the hope for the world. Isaac, you can go to the last slide. In Jesus, we see the words bared out. 
we bear spiritual fruit, cared for by God the Father, blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen to know God, redeemed. That power word is so powerful. We can know God's will with him. All the world will be wrapped up in Jesus and we can be with him. There's an inheritance of God's will. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. But if we are in deeply identified with something else, where is it leading us? Fear. Right now, fear. Soul isolation. Absolutely. Anxiety. Being anxious. Is that you? You can have peace. You can know peace. It's a person. It's Jesus. He's real. Isaac, you can go to the last slide. Anybody know that person on the left? If you're under 30, you have no idea who that is. If you're over 30, you know exactly who that is. Ricky! So these are two people. Desi Arnaz is the person on the left. He was a very famous um, actor in Hollywood. He started I Love Lucy with his life, Lucille Ball. If you watch reruns, sometime late at night, you'll see the I Love Lucy show. In particular, the one where they're trying to wrap the chocolates on the thing. If you remember that, it's very hilarious. Well, Desi Arnaz was a, um, came from Cuba and with his family in the 30s when there was a Cuban revolution. And uh, they, they were wealthy, successful in Cuba. And when they moved to the United States, they lost everything. And there's uh, um, in his uh, story about him that he and his dad are in this kind of warehouse where they're living together. And his dad is chasing away rats as they try to settle into bed. Difficult times. And he says this comment to his dad of like, hey, dad, there's one day that we'll be able to get back all that we used to have. That comment guided the rest of his life, unfortunately. He never answered the question, who, who am I? Who am I in? He never had that answered. What's amazing about Desi Arnaz and, and, and Lucille Ball is they changed the face of Hollywood. That's what's really amazing about his story. Although he was a great band director, that's how he got started. Although he was a great actor, if you watch the show. They created this Hollywood um, film studio called, um, let's make sure I know the right one, Desilu Studios. It's a combination of both their names. And what, how they changed Hollywood was when they started the show with CBS, the Isle of Lucy show, they said, we want to tape all the shows with multiple cameras in a different way it's ever been done in Hollywood, so we can show it later. And that's what we call, ah, reruns. Good job, people, whoever said that. Barbara, you heard that first time, didn't you? They were the ones that created reruns. Hence, you can watch their show later on over and over and over. What did that produce for them? Millions of dollars. We're still watching those shows. Listen to the shows they produced in the Desilu Studios, Andy Griffith Show, Mission Impossible, Hogan's Heroes, The Dick Van Dyke Show, I Love Lucy, Gomer Pyle. If you're under 30, you've never heard of any of those shows, although you should watch them because they're really good. High class, terrible comedy, but you will laugh, right? All those shows were produced out of their studio. They had millions of dollars. But at the end of his life, he was desperate. Alcohol had ruined his life. Multiple affairs had ruined his life. He was searching for the answer. Who am I in? His ex-wife, Lucille Ball, went and visited him as he was dying of cancer. And he was crying because he was so sad and so lonely with the life that he had lived. 
Folks, don't die that way. You don't have to. On the other side is Jim Warren, one of the great saints of Church of the Holy Spirit. Jim used to sit right back there in the last row, either in his wheelchair or on his walker that he used to have. Raise your hand if you knew Jim. Yeah, Jim was great. Uh, Jim had been part of Church of the Holy Spirit for about five years right when I first got here. And Jim also wrestled with that question, who am I? Who am I in? What is my identity? And if Jim was here, he would tell you he uh, wasted a lot of his life in difficult decisions. Alcohol influenced many of those decisions, and a lot of them were really brutal for him. He was a part of AA, and um, he was a part of Celebrate Recovery. But about six or seven years ago, Jim went on this retreat called Walk to Emmaus. And on that retreat, he met the person of Jesus Christ. And it changed his whole life. So instead of dying like Desi Arnaz in despair and sadness and loneliness, Jim died last week. Died of cancer. I'm going to miss him. We're going to miss him. I actually thought I saw him at the grocery store a few days ago. I was like, oh, shoot, that's not him. He's in heaven. But I was touched. I'm going to miss you, Jim. But Jim had this personal encounter with Jesus Christ and he knew no matter the circumstances of his life, he knew who he was in. And that was Jesus Christ. We went out to eat multiple times. The last time we eat, I said, Jim, are you ready? He said, I'm ready to die because I know who I'm in. I know who I'm in. So a couple questions for you this morning. Has the election brought you joy that you hope and is it sustainable? Or is it real joy? Or is real joy a person? Does the pandemic have you caught in great anxiousness and anxiety? There's one who gives life no matter the circumstances. That's Jesus Christ. And he's here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that no matter our highs and lows, no matter the decisions we've made in the past and the ones we're wrestling with right now, that in you we can have real life. That you are the king and you're bringing your kingdom and there's forgiveness in your kingdom. There's hope in your kingdom. There's a washing of sins in your kingdom. Show us your face today, Lord. Remind us that you are here. And then help us. Help us, Lord, to be deeply grounded and rooted in you alone. Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.